starting a business, taking on employees, taking on patients, being able to handle all the back of the house type stuff. It is very, very important that you build your team and build it wisely and get the right people in the right positions. And I was very fortunate to do that early on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hey, everyone. Big news. The Business of PT podcast would like to announce its first sponsor, the PT Hustle. Make sure to check it out. Here's a short ad from our sponsor, and we'll get you to the new episode. What's up, listeners of the Business PT podcast? This is Dr. Kyle Rice, also known as Coach K, founder of the PT Hustle. And we help PT students and new grads make the final transition into their dream job or entrepreneurial life by helping them dominate the NPTE. We know the best entrepreneurs and PTs weren't necessarily the best test takers. And that's why the PT Hustle specializes in helping non-traditional students and those who have failed the MPTE before. So you can learn more about us at thepthustle.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast with my friend JT Moore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today we have on Kyle Krupa. Kyle is the co-owner of Athletics Rehab. Athletics Rehab and Recovery LLC is an elite sports and orthopedic physical therapy and exercise recovery clinic. He is a PT, DPT, and CSCS. Kyle has been able to elevate elite athletic performance by addressing athletic injury and movement dysfunction. Throughout his career, Kyle has treated and trained multiple populations that include Olympic gold medalist, NFL, NHL, MLB, and MMA athletes. Kyle, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, JT. Appreciate you. Yeah, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you and be able to hear your story. You've We talked a little bit right before this, and I really want to be able to dive deeper into it all. But first off, would you be able to introduce yourself to the audience and give a little background of yourself? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you did a really good job, first of all, <laughs> right there with your, your bio there. Um, but I am originally from Pennsylvania. I uh, went to undergraduate school at what was Moravian College at the time, now Moravian University, played football there, majored in psychology, uh, actually double majored, so psychology and business management, uh, then got all my prereqs in for PT school, took a, an extra year there, uh, did physical therapy school at University of Miami down here, uh, class of 2014, and yeah, worked for a year, year and a half, and then 2016-ish, early 2016 is when uh, my business partner and I started Athletics for Gavin Recovery. That is awesome. And I, I wanted to know what initially got you into PT? Obviously, you had psychology and business as your, as your majors in college. How did you get into the PT career path? Uh, it was just, you know, my own experience, probably just like anybody else that, that gets into PT is you have your own experiences, uh, as an athlete or, or however you got involved, but you deal with your own injuries. And yeah, I had a really good experience with my physical therapist at the time when, when I was playing football in, in high school, uh, really helped me out with a shoulder injury. I was playing quarterback at the time. 
And yeah, I, I always kind of just had it in the back pocket. Like this was something that I wanted to do. And then I remember going into college, I, I failed my first biology uh, exam in, in freshman year of, of college. <laughs> and uh, I accidentally enrolled in like an advanced biology class. And then after that, that really turned me off of biology. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I, I, I started going a, a different uh, path. And, and once I had some great experiences again in athletics and, and playing football there and dealing with athletic trainers and stuff. And I was like, you know what, this is, let me give this another shot and uh, take it more seriously. And, and, and yeah, the rest was history from there. That is awesome. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely one of the more common paths of having that experience yourself and realizing the value and how much of you enjoy that physical therapy aspect and then wanting to be able to help in the same sense. So I wanted to know the timeline then you said in 2014, you graduated from university of Miami. And then from there in 2016, you opened up your athletics rehab. Could you give me a little bit of the timeline in between there? And then when did you, did you always have in mind that you wanted to open up your own practice or how did that come about? Uh, great question. I really didn't know that I wanted to open my own practice per se right off the bat. It was more, I just really wanted to get great experience and be a really good clinician. That was the main thing. Um, I will say, you know, right out of uh, PT school, I started working for a company that I had interned with down here in Miami that was known for seeing athletes as well. And when I was there, I was pretty much I, I was there by myself. I, I had one PTA and it was myself, a, a PTA. And then I would take on a bunch of students and it was me managing a lot of people right as a new grad, right off the bat. And I, I it was just a lot of responsibility for a new grad, in my opinion, um, especially in private practice. It's one thing if it's hospital based and, or, you know, a pops type practice or something like that. But it was just a lot of responsibility given to me very, very quickly where I had to go out and market and generate business for that company. And then I was the lead PT playing point man, then directing people, then training new people all the time that were coming in, new students all the time. And so I was getting very burned out. I'm going to be honest with you. And I was thinking to myself, this is way too early to get burned out this quickly. Um, and, you know, I, I thought, with all this work, I was already working 80, 90 hours a week. So I'm thinking, why am I not doing this for myself is really what it was coming down to. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I mean, that's the, thank you for sharing that. I think that's definitely, uh, that can happen, uh, the sense of burnout and, and not, not wanting to face that and not being able to like knowing how to manage that properly. And I love that you realized, Hey, I'm doing all this work. How about I decide to open it up for myself and do those things. I wanted to know early on in the process, uh, how was that? How was that deciding of, okay, I want to open up and, and partnering with Sharif and, and going from there, how did that all start and how did that come to mind? Uh, it's, you know, it's interesting because I was seeing so many patients so quickly. I, I don't know if you've ever read, read, um, outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. but well, you know, his biggest thing about becoming great, becoming a master at your craft is the 10,000 hour rule. And I felt, you know, they talk about if you get 40 hours a week for so many weeks, you could accomplish that 10,000 hour mark and become a master of your craft over so many, so many years and yada, yada, you got to do the math. But when you're working 80, 90 hours a week, you're accelerating that process. And on top of that, I was doing a ton of direct access. Um, so in the state of Florida, because of having direct access and, and getting so many people that were coming in, just even if they had a script, they would just say knee pain or back pain. And I had to do all this differential diagnosis. So then it was 
I, I was becoming an expert in differential diagnosis uh, and being able to do all this direct access type stuff. And when you're seeing that amount of volume that's coming in, uh, like I said, you're accelerating the process, the learning curve. And I didn't really have a mentor PT that was teaching me all these things. So I had to be very self-sufficient in researching and going, making sure I'm doing all this stuff correctly. And, and because I was teaching, I was taking on so many students and teaching it to other students, I had to be correct. I couldn't, I couldn't afford to be incorrect. And your back is kind of against the wall there. I'll say. So when you're looking at it from that, you're asking me about the process. What was that process like? Well, Sharif and I, we interned uh, uh, with some of the same, we crossed paths as I interned in some of these places and we were familiar with each other in the industry. So when I was leaving, I was telling him, you know, Hey, I'm going to be going out and start my own thing. And, and uh, this is really what I want to do now. And he was, you know, going, Hey, I want to do the same thing. Let's, let's partner up here. You're good at this. I'm good at that. And, and uh, it just gelled really, really well together. And, and the rest is history from there. That is awesome. Yeah. I, and honestly, it's been like, like I said earlier, it's been so cool to see and just kind of learn from you guys. It's been a privilege to be able to see all the content you guys create and share. And I've really enjoyed that. And I'm grateful that you guys have been able to, through your experiences, like you said, have known your stuff and be able to share that with others. And that's something that looking at you guys and, and watching your guys' resources, I've been able to learn and gain that knowledge. I wanted to know, and I highlight this on the podcast. I've seen some of your guys's from at least just from the the social media that you guys have. Your guys's layouts and clinics are pretty unique, I, I would say, compared to the standard PT practices. Could you explain a little bit about that and how you decided to go about those layouts that you guys created with your clinics? Uh, well, with our clinics, we wanted to make sure that it attracted the athletic population, right? Whether it was, um, you know, your average. Joe, you know, weekend warrior versus an NFL athlete versus MLB versus, uh, you know, some of the Olympians that were coming in, we had to make sure that we had a space that accommodates them feeling like they're getting an experience very similar to their sport. You can't have a practice and not, not that there's anything wrong with it, but you can't have a practice where you have a lot of, um, let's say Medicare patients that are doing lower level exercise and then have a 23 year old pro athlete come in and he is observing that and then thinking that he is going to get this very high level type treatment. So therefore you have to niche down. And when you, the more you niche down and down and down and down, the athlete will respect you more and more as the, the expert in that mm -hmm. subject. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's the interesting part about being with athletes especially on the pro level is where are you located and how are you attracting these people? So is it based on your facility and they, are they valuing what you have at your facility and the layout of your facility or, you know, that, that facility might be better served for, you know, I, I worked with the Olympic sailing team, for example. So my facility needs to be built out differently for the Olympic sailing team than it would for an NBA player. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I need to have stuff that is more sports specific to an NBA player versus, you know, a sailor. Um, if you're in the middle of uh, middle America and, and you're you're not really you're getting like a hogwash of athletes, you're not in a hotbed of one specific type of athlete, um, then you could be more of a generalist and you could just have a gym with gym mm -hmm. equipment. Right. But if you're going to be <clears throat> with football players more than you're going to need, you know, certain bags and equipments and shoots and things like that, that could help mimic their sport more closely. 
Okay. Very cool. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. If you like, when you talked about niching down, I, I've, I've heard the quote many times there's riches in the niches and that's very much the case. I think that you guys have been able to create that niche and, and found your spot within the niche of sports PT. I wanted to know early on. So once you decided you opened up the clinics, how did that initial growth process go? And what were some of the big lessons that you learned early on? Uh, well, we, we started with just Shreve and myself and literally us answering the phones, collecting all the paperwork, doing all that kind of stuff. I mean, actually, before we even had a clinic, I was treating patients out of my living room. You know, I had a little pop-up table and just doing that. Um, and then we finally found a space and just started to, to grow and expand from there. It's, it's one of those things where, okay, you have a couple patients on today. We're going out, we're marketing. We start to get a, a couple more. One patient usually turns into three, as long as you're treating them well and you're doing a good like word of mouth referral type type marketing campaign. Um, yeah. And, and it expanded that way. And we said, okay, well, this is too much to handle for us to be able to verify benefits, for example, and be able to run verification of benefits. So you have to hire an admin that's going to do that. Or yeah, I can no longer collect payments and schedule and answer the phone calls that were coming in from, you know, Google ad clicks and stuff. So now we got to add another admin for that. And now, now we're, our volume is just getting a little too aggressive. Okay. We got to bring in you know, based on your needs and, and what type of clinicians you have access to, am I going to bring in an athletic trainer? Am I going to bring in a PTA or a PT? Um, you know, and then just expand it from there. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I, I, that makes sense. Like building small and growing, that's one of the biggest things that I've seen is, is that a lot of people take it on or like take it all early on. And as they continue to scale and grow, they realize, Hey, let's, let's bring, bring people around us that are great at what they do and, and surround ourselves with those talented people to continue mm -hmm. to grow and, and progress. Well, one of the things that I've seen a lot of people do here, not necessarily just in the physical therapy industry, but I'll, I'll just say in the strength and conditioning realm, in the um, maybe chiropractic physical therapy or a combination of thereof is people overextend themselves and invest a little bit too much too early because they're trying to sell their facility and not themselves. And I think personally for us that that's not how we started. And I wouldn't, if I was to ever start over again, I would never do it that way where you build a facility out over invest in that, um, put all the fancy equipment in there, really expensive stuff. And now you have this huge debt that you just took on and really you're just not even that good of a clinician or you just have terrible bedside manner or you overextended yourself and now you're going and working four different jobs, just trying to pay off the, the, the debt that you just collected. So there's, there's ways of starting small. And I know I've listened to some of your previous podcasts. Um, I think it was two podcasts ago, but one of the guys was saying that, you know, he started with a thousand dollars or $2,000, whatever it was. And, and I was, you know, thinking in the back of my head, I remember when making the purchase of a, a $200 folding table that I was going to put in my living room to treat patients. That was a big expense for me at the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that, thank you for highlighting that. I think that's important. And yeah, I, I think that was Ben that was sharing that is that early on, you don't need all those. I mean, it's great as you grow and progress, you can have those other fancy things, but early on hone your skills, have the craft really built up so that people are I mean, at the end of the day, people are coming for your expertise, for your knowledge to get them better, not so much those other things. And so, yeah, I think right. that's spot on that you share that. Thank you. Right. And there is complexity in that as well, though. Right. So the more you, how do I phrase this? The better you get and the better clinician you become and the bigger your name gets, people are going to want to see you which is great, 
But when you're trying to build a brand with multiple locations and with, you know, multiple employees and things like that, it has to become, now you have to step out of that realm of, I have to master my, my own clinical skills. And now I have to help develop the clinical skills of all my staff, right. And make sure that they are, if not as good, even better than how I would treat right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I want all of my clinicians to be somebody that I could take any pro athlete and be like, Hey, you're working with, you know, so-and-so today. If I'm not developing my clinical staff to get there or something, you know, some type of way of facilitating a process to develop my clinical staff, um, then I'm doing my patients a disservice. Right. Yeah. And then also I, now you're going to have people that are coming in just looking for you and you're like, how am I ever going to grow? And this is the problem with a lot of ca- cash-based practices is that the person who started it is the person that everybody is trying to see and they don't know how to scale that up because they've constantly just been focused on themselves and developing themselves, not necessarily developing others. Yeah, that, I mean, that's great. That's a great topic to point out. And I wanted to ask a follow-up on that. How have you done that? How, because obviously early on, you're built, you said you had those hours and expertise and you were researching all those things. How have you been able to then share that and educate your other other employees that you have to elevate them to that same level that you are. And like you said, if not better. Well, this is where I kind of, I have to give kudos to my, my first employer because he gave me a ton of students right off the, off the bat. And I had to show up. I had to be the one that was correct. I I mean, I was, I was already teaching at university of Miami as well as an adjunct professor over there. So I was very, Um, making sure that I had as many questions answered before I, anybody could even ask them. Right. Um, So you have to make sure that you're really on top of your stuff. But again, you start a business, not necessarily to show off your skills. You start a business so that you could develop the people who work for you. And you actually um, that, and that became kind I would say that kind of became my passion as I was starting athletics was, I, I became a PT because I wanted to help patients get better and return to sport. And mm-hmm. then I started a business because I took that same passion. And now I was starting to develop a passion for developing other clinicians. And that's still a passion of mine today is developing other clinicians, whether it's on the side of their clinical skills and, and, and diagnostic skills, uh, manual skills, those types of things that, you know, how well they do conduct their performance training. Um, but also, you know, do they understand how to read a PNL report? Right. Do they understand how to put together balance sheets? Do they understand how to put expense reports together um, so that we understand if this is a good um, business decision that we're going to make for the company? So and that is one of the things that especially new grad PTs, I mean, they're not getting that level of education. So if this is a PT that's coming to me telling me that they, you know, their idea of growth is that they eventually want to be able to run a clinic. Well, they also have to understand that that comes with less patient treatment hours and that comes with more managerial responsibilities and more um, I'll say like human resources type responsibilities. So then who's going to teach you that kind of stuff? You know, Mm -hmm. do you, and, and even if you take a course on it, it's not practical knowledge and application yet. So it's all theory. So now you have to watch it be put into action and practice and somebody has to hold you accountable. And, um, and that has been our, professional development program is that people who have been with us long, they have to master the clinical aspect first. And we have our own training modules that Sharif and I put together um, where we say, Hey, listen, I always compare it to a restaurant. I say, just because uh, you went to culinary school and you're a great chef doesn't mean that you can come to my restaurant that's been here for eight years and then start cooking your own recipes, right? People have been coming here because they like 
my pasta sauce, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of learn how to, you know, uh, cook our pasta sauce, but then also add your own flavor in there as well. Yeah. And honestly, I, I love that you shared that right there, I think, because I, um, I have on the podcast coming up, um, Dano Norsidi, uh, he's with Arizona Cardinals, physical therapist. And he talked about that too, mm. that each each team that he went to, you can't just come in and think like, you, I'm going to do it my way or each each team is different in how they run things. And I, I love that you said that they come because they I have certain things like you said, like your, your pasta sauce or whatever it is. They come for those things, but it doesn't mean that you want them to be a cookie cutter mold of you. You want to have that right. own flavor, that own own uniqueness of them of why they love that honestly that's like what you gave right there i think was a real big gem of making sure that yes they're developing as clinicians but having them be well-rounded with everything else and that development of them investing in like you said investing in your employees to be able to help them grow and progress i think is so important in scaling and growing a a company that's right that's awesome and and i would say you asked me as well like what are the what's one of the things that i learned and and i would say that when you take on more employees, it becomes more and more important that you're understanding what their idea of growth is for their professional development, right? So I have certain employees that want to come in and they want to just be very good clinicians. They want to really hone in on their craft and that is what they want to do. I have other people that say, you know, they want to eventually run a clinic themselves, which is great. Uh, But again, you have to understand that you went to PT school to help people. So is it that you really want to help people or are you more passionate about managing uh, mm-hmm. a team, right? Because that is a different level of responsibilities and, and skill sets. So mm-hmm. what is the, what, what is your idea of growth and us understanding that number one in the interview process um, when we're bringing new people in, but also, you know, it's a recurring, even with my employees that have been here for years, you have to constantly check in and make sure, Hey, your idea of growth last year was to become a better clinician. Is that still your idea of growth? Or is it now that you want to step into this new role or whatever it is so that they continue to be passionate about their job? Because the minute you start seeing employees not passionate about their jobs, um, that, I mean, it just transpires. It trickles down the patient see it, you know, the, 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 the clinician will experience burnout. So a lot of times I would say as a business owner or as a, as a leader in the company, you just have to make sure that everybody is, is happy and, and on an even keel and, and really just passionate about their jobs. And I can tell if you're not, if I can tell if you're just showing up to show up and, and if that's the case, then we're going to have a conversation and, and just try to, to hash that out. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, that's great. I think, like you said, those are different skill sets and being able to make sure, but I love that you said, making sure that you know what, what is, what's their drive? Why are they passionate about? And then making sure that if they're addressing that and feeling that passion for whatever they're focused on at that time, I think that, yeah, like you said, if the employees are happy, that's going to be helping out with all the patients they see. It's just going to be a trickle down effect for both positive and negative. So yeah, I think that was, that was perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. Uh, I, I had another follow-up question with that then. So that as you continue to grow and progress, there's obviously pros and cons of each niche and, and creating those niches. What would you say are some of the pros and cons of working in that sports setting that you guys have? What are some of those things? Obviously, a lot of people may want to get into sports right away in PT, but obviously there's pros and cons. What are some of those ones that you've seen so far? Uh, I Well, put it this way. I mean, the, the pros and cons of working with any population is just going to be based on what you're passionate about, right? So... Uh, you could say the same thing about somebody who starts a, a neuro-based clinic and and working, you know, uh, uh, primarily with a spinal cord injury or something like that. What are the pros and cons? And and the only thing that I could say is that it just 
it may, I'm super motivated about it and it helps me find so much passion in my work. Right. Okay. So I've been in clinics where, you know, especially during my clinical rotations where I'm just like, I can't believe these PTs went to school for this type stuff. And this is what they're doing day in and day out. And there's a lot of, I can even reflect back on all these people that I graduated with and I go through their social media and stuff. And, and I'm like, you wouldn't even know this person's a PT. And I feel not that there's anything wrong with that. Like everybody should have their own, per, what you want to put out there is what you want to put out there. But if you're going to be a business owner and you're going to work with any specific population and own a business in it, there is no separation of work-life balance. It is your life. So when I, the, the pro of working with pros, <laughs> if you will, is, <laughs> and working with athletes is it's just something that I'm super passionate about. Right. Mm -hmm. And I get to exercise this idea of, okay, I want to help this person get back to not just doing stuff that is a hobby, but they're, they identify with, mm -hmm. right. I mean, yeah. I, these guys, this is their career. This is how they feed their families. This is how they put food on the table. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they're injured, that can alter their ability to, to be able to do those things and alter their livelihood and totally change the trajectory of their lives. And yeah. I've been working with athletes to the point now where I've seen guys go from college to pro to significant injury to now being a real estate agent, you know, and, and watching them go through that identity uh, crisis and, and uh, everything that comes with that. And same thing with the military guys that we work with, like, you know, watching these guys go from, you know, super alpha working their, their tails off. And, and then all of a sudden they deal with a significant injury that, that sidelines them. And now they have to figure out how to navigate things outside the military. Mm -hmm. And the, so there's a lot of parallels there, but I would say that from the day in and day out pros and cons of working with these guys is the pro is, is just obviously the creativity never stops. These guys adapt so quickly that stuff that would take you and I two, three, four weeks to learn, they're learning in an hour or two. Yeah. I mean, just genetic freaks. So <laughs> the best way to put it. And, and you have to be super creative. And you, if you can't think outside the box all the time, that's why a lot of people look at um, some of the stuff that you're putting out there on, on social media and they'll go, oh, this is eyewash or whatever. And it's just like, no, a lot of times I don't need to just put out there that I had this guy doing a bunch of TKEs, you know, a couple of weeks ago or whatever it was like, this is just super high level stuff that we're starting to get into. It's definitely not the end all be all. It's definitely not how they started. And it's definitely not where they're going to end, but it's a little snippet of something that's very different thought outside the box. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel that other PTs should be able to think that way, because if you understand biomechanics and injuries, then the world is your oyster. I mean, you, you it's endless. The possibilities are endless. As long as you understand, like I said, biomechanics, yeah. you'd you be perfect. And, and that's why a lot of people go, Oh, which sport should I niche in? And I, and I say, well, it's one thing, if you're going to niche, that's a marketing thing that has nothing to do with your brain. Your brain understands biomechanics. So whether I have a water polo player or I have a, uh, a, a soccer player, it doesn't matter. I should be able to uh, look at the sport, watch film, understand the biomechanics that's necessary here, understand the, the energy demands of the sport, and then be able to apply that to the rehab process. Yeah. Um, so some of the cons, right? Because I went through some of the pros. Uh, some of the cons of working with these guys is the overall time commitment, I will say to working with one guy is, um, and some people might put it as a pro as well, but the overall time commitment, I mean, I'm with these guys, you know, 
I'll say 10 to 15 hours a week with one person, you know, mm-hmm. that's a lot of time to be spending with, with one person. And it's, it's because of the demands, right. That, that is required of, of them to get to the next level. Um, but it is also very draining from you, uh, from the clinician standpoint of, you know, just kind of always beating yourself up about the fact that you're like, okay, I'm, the next patient, the next patient, the next patient, where's the next one, you know? So, um, the, I would say the time demand, uh, but again, I also like the fact that these guys require that amount of time. So I don't mm-hmm. know, some people would call it pro. Um, and then I would say the other piece is maybe the expectation from navigating with, with pro teams, Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the expectations there where I could see the politics that go behind, you know, whether they're trying to release a guy or whether they're trying to not assume any type of liability for this person's injury. And they're asking me to, you know, Hey, stay away from this body part because we're dealing with that and blah, 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 even though it might be related to what I'm trying to see him for clinically and trying to navigate that space, I would say is, is a little bit tougher, um, protecting their, their, um, uh, integrity as an athlete and making sure that they are getting the respect that they deserve, but also, you know, getting to the next level in, in terms of how quickly I could accelerate this person. So mm-hmm. the, the, the team doesn't necessarily want to see this person getting so far because they're trying to protect their asset as well. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That's probably the best way I can describe it. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of like stuff that I kind of have to navigate around the, the, the teams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, and I just, just based off of that alone talking, I mean, you can tell the passion that you have behind what you've created and, and working with that population and, and doing what you do. So that's, that was, I, I mean, that's, I think what I've gotten so far, the biggest, one of the biggest things is if you're passionate, that will drive and lead you to where you want to go and do the things that you want to do. And honestly, thank you for sharing. I mean, the pros and cons of that, obviously like the, the cons I, I hadn't really like learned too much, but recently we had somebody on that was working with a professional sports team and they talked about the politics as well. That's something that I feel like you don't ever really think about in, like in PT school or anything like that, if you want to get into sports, but there are politics and knowing how to navigate those in a professional manner to make sure that you're obviously focusing on the client and making sure that they have their, their, their needs met and everything that they want, but also knowing that there's also this team that's involved in wanting that. So that was really, really good. Thank you for that. I, I mean, it's definitely eye-opening spending this amount of time with guys on different levels from practice squad. I mean, guys that haven't even made a team yet to guys that make a practice squad from guys that are going from college that need to go into the you know, Canadian football league for a little bit to try to get some game film. I mean, this is a grind. These guys are doing the best they can and, and their body is their asset. So if anything is affected with their body, I mean, you are, they're investing their entire lives into being healthy and being able to execute. So you being a part of that, I mean, but you're behind the scenes. That's important too. You know, the focus is the athlete. Like you just have to realize that you're there to make sure that they achieve their goal. Yeah. Um, And as long as you're happy about that, then, then I achieved my goal. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I, there's this one analogy that I kind of carried myself. Like I, one time we went down, we were in Brazil, we went to Iguazu Falls, which is like this really beautiful waterfall. And there was a guide there and the guide was like kind of showing us around the place. And, and it was 
cool because after they kind of analyzed it, like everything, and we saw this ama- like these amazing waterfalls, and she was there and so knowledgeable and so helpful, but she didn't make it about her. It was more about like making sure that the experience that we were having while we were there at the waterfall, that it was awesome, that we enjoyed it, that we loved it, that it was memorable, and that we just had a good quality experience with it all. And I feel like that's kind of our role sometimes as physical therapists, that we are knowledgeable, we're able to help them experience what they need to experience and and in this case like get them back to recovery but we're not the center of attention we're not the reason why they're they're there they want to be able to get back to what they're going and we're a a stepping stone in that process and so as long as we get that ego out of the way and making sure that we're there to help people which i feel like most of us as physical therapists have that that servant mindset of helping people and and helping uplift them then we're going to be very successful in that same manner. So thank you for, for yeah. that. Yeah, of course. It's uh, patient-centered care all the time. Mm-hmm. Patient-centered care. And I, I was actually just listening to a uh, podcast very recently about um, people that find joy in their work and and like mundane jobs that you would just think, you know, how does this person enjoy going to work every day? And they were talking about interviewing the uh, people who had been over at Disneyland the longest um, as housekeepers. And that, that had worked at the hotels there. And they were talking about what they call red fire, uh, uh, red threads. Like what are the red threads? What are the little gems that you're finding in your work that's making it super meaningful for you? And one of the things that she was identifying with was she always makes sure that the top of the ceiling fan is clean. And they said, you know, that's not even on the checklist to do on a daily activity. That's something that it was on their checklist to do once a week. And she said, well, I want to make sure that when the, 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 the um, customer lays down on the bed, because that's the first thing that you do when you get back from the all day at the park is you just kind of like flop down on the bed and she, you look up at the ceiling fan and the ceiling fan turns on. If you see dust kick up, then you think that the whole place is going to be dirty now. So it's important for her to get into the mindset of the customer that's going to be literally like living the experience of the customer from flop there. She's envisioning flopping <laughs> down on the bed, being tired and looking up at the ceiling and, and it being dusty. And yeah. that is what made her go in and go above and beyond the minimum requirements of, I'm not going to do that once a week. I'm going to do it every day. Mm-hmm. And I look at physical therapy the same way and returning my athlete back to the sport. I'm like, what would I do? Or how would I feel if I was in this guy's position where I have 32 teams that are looking at me right now, but I'm dealing with an ACL from four months ago and I feel like I'm good enough to go, but they're looking at me like I'm not good enough to go. And like, you know, now they're showing up to my office and they got two or three hours that they're going to be spending with me between the, the physical therapy and the performance training aspect of things. And I'm like, how would I feel if I was in that, that situation? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to make sure that I deliver on that experience so that, you know, we're, we're both getting the most out of the session. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fire right there. Thank you for sharing. I think that getting in that perspective and and getting on the other side of it, that's so important. Honestly, it's this episode is flown by already. I've just like, just checked the time. Um, and I don't want (laughs) to take too much of your time, but before wrapping up, I did want to highlight a couple of things that I always like to ask everybody. And that is what is something that you would wish you had learned sooner in your career that once you realize that you said, man, this, if I could have learned this earlier, that would have really helped me grow and progress. And then are there any other additional information or word of advice that you'd like to share with people? Um, what do I wish I learned earlier? That's a really tough one. Okay. I, I think, I, you know, as much as I knew about business management already from having a business management degree over at, at Moravian, um, 
I wish early in my career, I had brushed up on all that stuff when it came to, you know, management styles, management theory, um, executing a, a, a profit and loss report that made sense and creating business plans and that kind of thing. Um, because it would have probably accelerated the process in which we grew. But also with that being said, it's, it probably would have became like a little bit of like paralysis by analysis where you just overanalyze things. Um, but, uh, I, I would say if you're going to start a business, make sure that you understand the ins and outs of the, the risk that you're willing to assume, um, the money that you're willing to, to, to cough up and, and the lifestyle that you're about to live while this thing is getting up off the ground. That's perfect. Yeah. I think that's really, really important to know. And like you said, uh, there might've been a cons of if you had learned that sooner. Right. And I think there's always a path that we're supposed to be on regardless. And, and we grow. And as that goes, I think it works out. It's supposed to, but I always like to ask that question because it's interesting to see, Oh, and like you said, it's something you wish we'd learned a little bit sooner because that might have, or at least just re refreshed on to be able to help you out. And, and then just to finish up, are there any other additional words of advice or information that you'd like to share with the audience? And then if someone's interested in talking more with you, what would be the best way to contact you? Sure. Uh, I would say advice as much as you may think that you want to do this on your own and it's something that is like a self-fulfilling prophecy, everybody needs to build a team. Okay. So as much as you might think that you could do this and handle all this, starting a business, taking on employees, taking on patients, being able to handle all the back of the house type stuff. It is very, very important that you build your team and build it wisely and get the right people in the right positions and I was very fortunate to do that early on. So uh, try not to take this on yourself. Try to build your network. I, I always say your, your net worth is, is not your money, but your network, right? So build your network very early and, um, and get your team in place early before you launch. Uh, and then as far as um, how people can reach out to me, uh, Instagram is uh, at Kyle F. Krupa and also at Athletics Rehab. And our newest one is at athletics.performance. That's our uh, new performance uh, strength and conditioning component as well. Um, athletics is spelled A-T-H-L-E-T-I-X. And then also, if you want to go on athleticsrehab.com, you can check out all the athletes um, that we work with and the styles that we use and, and you know, look into all of our people as well. Perfect. And thank you, Kyle. I think what you shared, you shared a lot of, uh, of big golden nuggets on this episode of being able to progress yourself as a clinician, but also progress yourself if you're wanting to be an entrepreneur and enter that side of physical therapy. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, it flew by honestly just talking to you right there, but thank you so much for your time and being able to share everything. Yeah, of course. Thank you again for having me on. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Have a good one. You too, Mark. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked that episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe and also leave a review. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.